Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. everyone. Welcome back. Jen Amos here with the Filipino American Woman Project. And as always, I have my wonderful co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. And because this is going to be released at the time of the coronavirus, I thought I'd check in with you, Nani. How's the coronavirus treating you nowadays? (laughs) Oh, well, I'm doing a little bit better. Yesterday, I was, I think, just feeling the panic of everyone else's energy. And so that was throwing me off a little bit. Not that I'm not still thrown off. It's still, you know, unrattling, kind of a uncomfortable experience to be in, but I'm definitely a lot better now. (laughs) A lot calmer. I've got settled in with my snacks. I've kind of gotten into the groove here and mentally accepted that I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. I feel like I only freak out if I really indulge online about it. Like if I really like look at the news or whatever, but other than that. That is definitely my number one mistake. Like just turn the phone off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kind of trying to focus on good things. I started getting into meditating. Oh, so there's good. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been an I've interesting been doing a experience. lot of that too. Oh, yeah. we'll have to talk more about that. Yeah, we will. I was, uh, I'm part of this group coaching program and they like the coach, the main coach, like really emphasizes it. And I've been pretty stubborn about like getting into it. But with everything that's been happening lately, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. And I actually like it. So yeah, we'll talk more about it later. Okay. <laughs> like, what okay. Yeah. Um, Well, with that said, we're excited because despite uh, what's going on in the world today, there are still good things that are happening. And whether this is a way for you to distract yourself from what's going on or to find a source of inspiration, we're excited because we have an incredible fellow Panay, a fellow podcaster uh, joining us today. And so I want to introduce you all to Sapphire Sandalo. Sapphire is the creator of the web series and podcast called Something Scary, where she had told ghost stories, emphasizing those from Filipino origins. Today, she hosts Stories with Sapphire podcasts. Other fun facts about Sapphire, she is an independent animator, a teacher at the Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, also known as LMU, and is a paranormal expert on the Travel Channel. Sapphire, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's our absolute pleasure. I'm really excited. I was into stalking you. You seem awesome. Okay. I can't wait to have a conversation <laughs> with you. <laughs> Yay, no pressure at all. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> Why don't we start, Sapphire, with you sharing how did you hear about the Filipino American Woman Project and what inspired you to join us on our show today? Sure. So I was actually, I was trying to think of other Filipino Americans who were also in the podcasting space because I, you know, I was starting a new show, Stories with Sapphire. And I was like, I want to do collaborations with other fellow Filipinos who are also doing this because I feel like we don't really see people of color and specifically women of color in the podcast space. And if like we do, I don't know, I just feel like the podcasting community is very is not as diverse as it could be. And so Mm. I just kind of went down this rabbit hole of like, I want to see, I know we exist. (laughs) So I want to (laughs) find them. Right. And so I literally just Googled like Filipino American podcasts and then yours came up and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) Our SEO works. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Good job on that. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you. And you know, Sapphire, I'm really glad that you said that because I went to my first two podcast conferences in the last year. So I literally just came back from PodFest 2020, which was in Orlando, Florida. And thank God they didn't cancel it because my husband and I rented an RV to like drive down there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was kind of, the, it was this whole thing. Like I was just going to fly there by myself because I had two speaking engagements. And one of them was because of the Filipino American Woman Project. We had our community essentially harass PodFest, begging them to have me speak on <laughs> to be one of the speakers. I mean, we didn't really harass. They harassed very politely. But I put yeah. it in my mind that I was like, I'm going to be a speaker here because I know that we need representation. Absolutely. And the crazy thing is that when I went there, I think I only saw like two or three like Asian podcasters that I ran into. There definitely was a meetup for it. And there was meetups for like women of color or people of color. But you know, the majority of the conference was definitely not like, you know, people of color. So it was mm -hmm. a very interesting experience. And yeah, I completely agree with you on that. And we just need more representation. And so I'm so glad that like you felt that way. And you put it out there. You're like, I know there's people like me out there. And here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so awesome. I'm so glad that you found us and you're joining us today. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, so this project is really dedicated to individuals who live or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female or pronouns she, her, or non-binary as well. And so Sapphire, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your family background and why you identify as a Filipino American woman. Sure. So I grew up here. I was born in California, lived in LA most of my life, but my parents are both from Cebu. My dad is from Mobile and my mother is from Negros, I believe. And so I grew up in a pretty small town called, it's not small, not that small. Um, it's Cal Camarillo. Uh, it's about like an hour north of LA. And at the time I was growing up, it wasn't a very diverse town. There, there were no other Filipinos around me in mm -hmm. all of the communities that I went to, like elementary school, high school, like no one. And so I grew up feeling very much like an outsider, like most you know, people of color do. And it wasn't really until I got to college, I went to LMU, actually, there was a Filipino club called Isang Bansa. And I joined it, you know, to make new friends. And the friends that I made in that club are like still some of my closest friends today. And it was weird, because I remember I had some friends at school being like, Oh, are you just joining this club? Because like, you only want to hang out with like other Filipino people. And I was like, first of all, that's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> there is there's just this like unspoken connection between Filipino Americans just because we all have very similar experiences like even though you know the conversations that me and my Filipino American friends have it's not always about us being Filipino but it does drive everything that we do I don't know if that makes sense but yeah it it, it was nice to to feel that and yeah, I, I guess like it wasn't really until this time that I started feeling pride for being Filipino. Like before, when I was in elementary school and high school, I was totally ashamed of it. I was just mm. like, I want to be a white person. Like, right. I don't like how my parents are. I don't like being different. Like, I, you know, every Filipino American has felt this, I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think now, you know, like, I guess, what is this, like 10 years after I've graduated, like, I'm, I'm really going like deeper into learning more about Filipino history and our culture and all these things that I had pushed away for so long. I feel like I'm finally trying to embrace it and it, it feels good. 
That's so awesome. Uh, Nani, I heard you in agreement. Did you want to add something? Yeah, I mean, I was just agreeing with what you were saying about how there's an unspoken connection between Filipino Americans specifically. And I think that that just comes from having, you know, finally for so long being in an environment where you're the only one of your kind. And then, you know, when you find other Filipino Americans at whatever point for you, that was when you got to LMU and joined the club for other people, it's, you know, whatever they're own personal journeys. But when you find other like-minded people like that, it's like, oh, I'm not the only one who experienced life this way that has shaped my kind of view or the way that I just move about in this world. And now I see that I'm not a weirdo for like thinking and living like this. Um, I am a part of a larger community. I just had to find it, you know? Yeah. That gets me thinking about, like, I like how you said that there's this unspoken connection. And sometimes I feel like, yeah, there's this unspoken connection, whether I like it or not, you know, like in the Mm -hmm. last decade of me uh, being in and out of the community, and then finally sticking to something like a podcast show like this, you know, it's like, I feel like I have this love hate relationship with the community. But no matter what I do, no matter where I go, I always feel that sense of home with other Filipinos, even if I don't know them yet, like even if I just see them, it's like, oh, like there's someone there. And it's so interesting how so many of us, and I had mentioned this in another episode, that a lot of us are trailblazers. A lot of us end up in very, you know, let's say white dominated industries, and we feel like we're alone. And uh, the purpose of this project is to really let all of us know like, hey, we're all trailblazers. We're all going through this. We all feel like we're the minority in what we're doing. And it's awesome. It's actually awesome. And it's empowering. And I think when we come together, I feel like we have more conviction with what we do, because we know where we came from. Like we know that at least for a lot of us, if we have immigrant parents, you know, we were really encouraged many of us to maybe go the stable route or go the more predictable route. Mm -hmm. And someone such as yourself, Sapphire, who is a creative, I'm actually curious to know, like, like if you had that kind of experience, or maybe, maybe your parents didn't support you at first, or what was it like, you know, becoming a creative growing up? So I had always been really artistic as a kid. I always drew, always played music, always did, you know, these creative things. And I never really considered doing anything else for a living. But as I was growing up, my parents I actually opened a time capsule recently where my mom wrote a letter to me when I was in like fifth grade. And it said, I hope you are still, I think I was supposed to open it like this past year. Yeah, I opened it this past year. (laughs) And Uh so in the letter, it said, you might be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, and I hope that you're still pursuing your art on the side. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, but it, she mentioned it multiple times in the letter. Like, she really emphasized <laughs> that, like, me being an artist was a side thing. Better oh, be I a laughed. hobby. <laughs> yeah. I laughed so hard because I was just like, oh, my God. Like, because that's how she was when I was growing up. It was like, it's not that they weren't supportive. They were always supportive of my creative endeavors. Like, they drove me to music practice. They drove Mm. me into like all these things. You know, they never were like, don't pursue these, but they were Mm -hmm. always like, don't pursue these as a career. (laughs) And then I was like, "Mm, no, I'm going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I, yeah, when it was time to apply for colleges and pick a major, I was like, all right, family, I'm majoring in animation. And they were like, "Mm, are you sure? (laughs) And like, (laughs) you know, so much has changed in the past. Oh God. When did I go to, when did I go? Like, I think it was 14 years ago now, mm-hmm. um, when I like was a freshman in college, I feel like 
today, it's such a different conversation. I Mm. think that it's a lot easier for parents to grasp now, you know, if their child wants to pursue something creative, just because I think, especially with the internet and technology, things being a lot more accessible to people, I think that like having a creative job no longer seems like this weird thing that they don't understand, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's funny because my mom growing up, she wanted, you know, my siblings and I to do something stable as well. Like my brother entered college with emphasis in uh, a major in computer engineering. And then he ended up graduating with as a graphic designer. (laughs) That's what he does today. He ended up switching his major. And then for me, it was funny because like I I did psychology and my mom, I mean, I I initially tried to do it. And my mom was like, oh, cool. You could be a doctor. You can stay stay in school to get your PhD. But then I changed my major like two, three three times after that. And mm-hmm. in the end, she ended up saying, you know, just do what makes you happy. <laughs> oh, that's and then, Yeah, yeah. And then my sister, she ended up pursuing the arts like she's an actress. And she has all these projects that she's doing in New York. So it's interesting, because I think when my dad was around, I had lost him when when we were pretty young. But you know, I think he and my mom had expected all of us to go to school to get like some kind of stable job. And we all turned out to be creatives. So you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, lucky for us, like mom has been nothing but supportive ever since. I guess she's became an empty nester or something like changed in her when we all moved out of the house. And she's <laughs> just really happy for our, our health and, you know, that we all are on our own and everything. So I think like, even though it may be hard initially to, you know, shatter our parents' dreams of what they wanted for us, <laughs> you know, like I think when in time, if we're strong enough or we stick to it, like our parents will see like, okay, this is not so bad after all you know, my daughter can, you know, really pursue a career in this. And although I'll still wish for her to get a full-time job, you know, until then, <laughs> like, I will be happy for her because she's my daughter. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It seems like we all have this kind of struggle to individuate from our parents, like expectations of us at some point. And it's always kind of this messy battle between us to get there. But once we fight for it and get ourselves set up, it's just a matter of them like looking around and seeing, oh, everything's still okay. Like Mm -hmm. life is still running. She can sustain herself like this. You know, maybe it doesn't look like what I wanted it to look like for her, but she's doing it. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they have to respect you for that, right? Yeah. I think that my mom, (laughs) my mom definitely, like every time I have a new podcast episode out, she like shares it with all her siblings and like her cousins and stuff. Yeah. Like I feel like now she's really just like, into it. Yeah. Um, I think she just needed a minute. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like they always, they liked what I made. They just like were always worried as parents are that like, oh, yeah. can you make a living off of this? And when you mm-hmm. show them that like, yeah, I figured it out, then they're like, okay, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> right. It makes me think, you know, if ever I become a parent, like what my values would be for my kids. Like, would I want them Mm -hmm. to like pursue what they love, but be broke doing it? Or do I want them to get a stable job? Like I can only imagine, you know, thinking about my mom and how she had three kids to raise. Like, yeah, stability was very important to her. But I wonder like as Filipino Americans, like what do we want to instill in our kids? And it's been a really fun experience interviewing mothers on the show as well and what they value as Filipino American mothers really. So that's been like a really interesting experience. And it gets me to think like, huh, like what kind of mom would I be? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great question to ask, Jen, for people like us that don't have kids yet 
or who are planning to have kids soon. It's like what you have to think about that. What are the core values and and teachings that you want to teach your kid? Because that's exactly, you know, why this podcast exists, because we've all been deprived of things like that. So that's mm-hmm. A good thing to be thinking about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So thank you everyone who's been on our show. This is really market research for me to yeah. <laughs> myself <laughs> and what my career goals are and my family goals are. So thank you all. <laughs> Glad to be with help. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sapphire, thank you for sharing a little bit about your background and why you identify as a Filipino American woman. And I'm just very in awe of you of the career and just the work that you're doing today. So speaking thank of you. which You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Like I said, I insta-stalked you. So here we go. (laughs) It's normal. It's normal because I'm doing it from the safety of my home and you're safe. Like, it's fine. Like, it's not not the sick thing. I promise. I'm married. It's fine. (laughs) I'm married. You're married. It's fine. I can't leave my house if I wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's fine. Just don't put your address online. Like, in general. (laughs) Or I just might show up. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. Maybe I'll... I'll go to your college. I don't know. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jen Amos here, jumping into the middle of our show, as I always do, to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know, at the end of every episode, I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry. We'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought. Which is why, starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Woman Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer 2020, finding our show notes will be so much easier. All thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino-American, woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thefillonwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. <laughs> I'm just going Okay, anyway, fast forward. Let's go ahead and talk about life today, Sapphire. And for people that are getting to know you for the first time and not fangirling like me, why don't you share what keeps you busy and most excited about life nowadays? Sure. Oh, God, I have to think. I'm in a little bit. I'm in a a pretty weird transition phase, I guess. So for the past like three years, I was working for a YouTube channel called Snarled. And that's where I created something scary. And I did that like I did that show on my own for like the first two years before we finally like hired people to like help me, which is absolutely insane. And so I burned out pretty hard. So Mm. in October of last year, that's when I was like really thinking about my life. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I don't own the content that I'm making here. I Mm. feel like doing this show is actually making me hate everything. Um, Yeah, it just I, I burned out so hard, like nothing I made 
like it's just like I was feeling miserable like even though Mm -hmm. like from a totally objective standpoint the channel was successful the show was successful everything was doing really well and I was like why am I so miserable and I Mm. was like oh I'm pretty sure like do like I don't know I just feel like it kind of squeezed all of my passion out of me and I needed to just like take a step away and I didn't want to quit Mm -hmm. I like, you know, I tried to make a deal where I could get some ownership or like try to or just take a month break, but they wouldn't like work with me on that. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm leaving. Wow. <laughs> Which was really super risky because I genuinely didn't have a job lined up. I still mm. don't. <laughs> this was <laughs> yeah. like, it, yeah, this was like back in October of last year. And I was just like, you know what? I need this break. So I was sort of just ticking around for like a couple months and then <laughs> It was like in February of this year when I was like, okay, I'm going to start a new show. And so that's what I'm doing now. So I'm doing Stories of Sapphire. Yay. And I have like maybe a couple random freelance things that I've been doing. Like I I haven't really picked up a another full-time job, but actually the longer that this weird transition period goes for me, the more I realize, oh, I actually don't think I want to work somewhere else anymore. Like, I think I really want to focus on making stories with Sapphire, like my full-time thing. Like right now Mm. I'm not making any money off of it, but like, that's the goal is to make that the thing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, I know. So like, I don't know if that even answer the question but like my life is a little bit all over the place right now been doing the podcast and then like random freelance animation stuff here and there and the travel channel show (laughs) okay well what about this travel channel show that you have going on what's going on there (laughs) yes no big deal (laughs) i started let's see that show started a couple years ago go i think it started in 2018 we're filming the third season right now so i'm a recurring paranormal expert on the show called paranormal caught on camera so basically people submit their videos of like uh, supposed paranormal things that they captured and then they Mm -hmm. have experts look at the videos and talk about like ooh, what could it be (laughs) it's really fun It sounds like it. I, I want to backtrack a little because it, yeah. you know, I mean, I haven't met someone uh, such as yourself who's really been into like paranormal stuff, particularly, you know, a Filipino American woman. And so I'm curious. And, and I know that with something scary, you emphasize a lot on like ghost stories from Filipino origins. So I'm curious, like what fascinates you about, you know, the paranormal? Oh, my goodness. What doesn't? Um, <laughs> so, well, this is my kind of canned response, I guess. But my grandpa, when I was younger, he would always tell us these really cool stories of when he lived in the Philippines. That was sort of my first introduction to Filipino mythology and the idea of ghosts and spirits and all this stuff. And I was just so fascinated by it. The fact that it was my grandpa telling me these stories, I was like, whoa, like, who else has these experiences too? Like, this must Mm. be real. And then I learned that everyone else in my family also had these really cool stories. And I was just like, oh my God, everyone has a ghost experience and I haven't, but everyone else does. And I just like became obsessed with learning about just like, I don't know. I I just like became obsessed with learning about the paranormal and like the occult, like all these things. Like I was that weirdo who just like sat in the corner of the library, like looking at all the books about like astral projection and like ghosts and like all that stuff. I just like ate it up. And I guess maybe because I haven't really had many supernatural experiences myself, maybe that's why I'm obsessed with learning more about it. But also I like... uh, 
The folklore of the Philippines is probably some of the best folklore, in my opinion. Like, we Mm. have the scariest monsters, like the creepiest shit, Mm -hmm. mostly because so much shit has happened to (laughs) Filipino people, right? It's true. Yeah. So it blows my mind that Filipino horror is not as popular as it is. Like, it wasn't really until... When I started Something Scary, the first couple of episodes that I did were purely from my family. And because of that, they were from Filipino people. And Mm -hmm. so I just decided to like kind of continue that, just exploring other people's families' stories and like other cultures' stories and stuff like that, because we don't really see... I feel like everything we see in these paranormal shows and horror movies, it's like always the same. It's like these sad white people move into a big haunted house and then they have to like stop being sad. And I'm just like, I I like tweeted about this like a while ago because I think I watched, I don't know if you've seen it, but like Lock and Key on Netflix was the most recent show I watched. And I was just like, man, this would be so cool if it was like people of color because there's just so much (laughs) in like the paranormal world that we haven't seen on tv Mm -hmm. and in podcasts and so anyways yeah that's so it's my mission (laughs) in life to make people more aware of filipino mythology and folklore because i think it's so cool oh my gosh (laughs) we're gonna have to like bring you back for halloween or something share some like yeah i think this is the start of a of a collaboration <laughs> together. oh my god yes i i love talking about ghosts and shit so <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to check in with nani see if you had any thoughts I did want to ask you just about like resources for people that are interested in learning more about Philippine mythology, because that's something that I have tried to dive into as well. And just in doing my own research, I had to like full on make a spreadsheet to try and keep track of the descriptions of all the like mythological creatures and folklore, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because they are so complex and so like like different sources explain them differently and so it's really hard to like have an understanding like where greek mythology is like i don't remember names but like zeus and uh, athena or whatever their names are it's you know our creatures are not just like cut and dry descriptions like that it kind of depends on like the story that you're reading so i would love to like get your take on that or like any resources for beginner baby mythologists (laughs) (laughs) yeah so That is something that I found to be very tricky when researching this type of stuff is because every resource will, they'll spell things differently or like Mm -hmm. tiny details will be different. And people love to tell me when I'm wrong (laughs) in the comments. Mm, Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So that's something that is, it can be frustrating, but the reason why there's so much different information is because the Philippines is so big. You know, there's so many dialects. There's so many cultures within our culture. And so there hasn't really been a, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like a, like a, there hasn't standard, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So there hasn't really been like a standardized version of all of our stories. And so everything is a little bit different depending on who you ask. But there are a couple good books. I have a couple of recommendations. The ones by Maximo Ramos. If you're interested in learning more about specifically monsters and folklore and that kind of stuff, his book, he has a lot of different ones in his series. I believe they're all available on Amazon. Um, That's where I got mine. Those are a good one to start with, I think. (laughs) Cool. Thank you. 
Wonderful. I just wanted to add one more thing that I thought of when you said that because, you know, it's so large, there's so many cultures within our culture, dialects within our culture, our stories have not really been standardized into one definable kind of thing. I think that's interesting how you also see that show up everywhere in our culture. Just like when you were talking, it just made me think of how people argue over how to make adobo and which way is the correct Mm. way to make adobo. There's really no correct way. It's just people do it differently depending on where you come from. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's interesting how that shows up in a lot of ways in our culture, just in general, just a side thought. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the Philippines wasn't really a unified country until the Spanish came. So like every island was essentially its own culture. So obviously things are going to be like different no matter where you go, which, but I think that's also the beauty of the Philippines is that Mm -hmm. we are all so different, but we are all we all have that special unspoken connection that I mentioned earlier. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you said that that's the beauty of the Philippines and of our culture. And knowing that, that I think like a lot of us have been, uh, what do you call it? Like a lot of us have been led to believe that we need to be whitewashed, you know, in order to adapt in American society. But we could really find like inspiration from our motherland. Like there's just so much in it. There's We have thousands of islands and hundreds of dialects. It's like, like the real inspiration comes from there. And I just think like, that's what I'm beginning to really love or why I love doing this project is I feel like we'll never run out of things to talk about because there's just so much to the Filipino experience. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sapphire, for giving us a snapshot of your life today. I also just wanted to uh, banter a little bit about podcasting because sure. you uh, you have been podcasting way longer than us. So I feel like you're like Ate Sapphire to us right now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, kind of same thing too with this project. We are looking to uh, right now we're we're wrapping up our season and we're planning on starting another season in the summer, which would be our one year anniversary. And uh, oh, that's the nice. time. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's the time we're thinking about really exploring how do we like monetize our show and what have you. And I'm just curious if you don't mind for like free advice, giving free advice sure. or anything. But, but what was your experience like producing? I mean, other than being, you know, burnt out from what you had mentioned already. And I don't <laughs> want to like bring up any traumatic experiences oh, so no, stop me anytime. But like, you know, what was that like producing? a show. And I don't know if you were involved in the monetization side of it. But if you were, I'd I'd love to hear like what that experience was like. Yeah, but I mean, look, it's like, I I learned so much from that experience. I, you know, I now know never to sign a contract without having a lawyer look it over. Um, Mm. You know, if from a purely business standpoint, they were doing what they're legally allowed to do. (laughs) So, you know, then it's like my fault for not really like doing my part and making sure that I get like a fair deal, which is why I ended up quitting and it sucks. But I do want to say where I'm at right now, my show Stories of Sapphire is hosted with Audio Boom. Mm-hmm. And so I know that when you hit a certain number of downloads per episode, like within a 30 day period, that's when you can start selling ads and they'll help you sell those ads. So that's currently oh. like what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, we are. I mean, I, I don't want to like disclose because like we're transitioning, <laughs> but yeah. we're definitely like part of the new season is we're transitioning over to another like web hosting service. And that one has like an affiliate program to it too. So it's like if we encourage people who want to start podcasting, we can get like a commission from that. 
that, you know? And so that's one of the ways that we're looking at doing full transparency to all our listeners, if you're interested in podcasting, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to talk about this publicly on the show because we've had our listeners reach out, like asking like, like, what do I do? How do I get started? Or thank you for recommending, you know, that web hosting service because like now I'm starting my own show. And it's just like, you know, just like what you were saying earlier, Sapphire, like we need more representation or we need to be in community with other Filipino podcasters because there's not enough of us. And hopefully in having our voices represented, it'll encourage and empower people to, you know, have their own shows. And so that's why I'm all about just collaboration and full transparency because we can never have enough of our stories out there. Um, And so, so yeah, no, really cool. Thank you for sharing that little insight. Just, it's good. And I think we need to stick together (laughs) as as fellow podcasters. (laughs) I don't think this will be our last conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, cool, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sapphire, for just, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and uh, where you're at today. And I think just with your energy and charisma um, and talent, you know, I'm not worried about you. I'm sure that you're going to find um, amazing <laughs> opportunities, you know, like the Travel Channel. <laughs> so, all right. So now we're going to get to one of my most favorite parts of the interview, which is really the purpose of this project. Our hope is to collect life lessons and stories and publish it into a book one day so that we can continue to add to the overall Filipino-American experience and the resources that are available to us today. Um, And so it's been a true honor having so many people on our show at this point. I think at the time when the show gets published, this will be our 52nd episode for this podcast show. But wow. yeah, it's yeah, I know it's cra- I can't even believe it. Like we did, like Nani and I have collectively done 45 episodes together. I think I, I did like the Ooh. first like six on my own, and then she like found me on Instagram. Oh, She's like, oh. yeah, that's a whole story. That's a whole love story in itself. Yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, and then prior to that, I was doing Facebook Live in 2017. So so far, I think we collectively have like like 80 stories almost of just, you know, Filipino American women, like showing up as themselves and sharing their story and their truth. And so I'm just really excited. It's just really fun to do this project. And I look forward to like, you know, having that book one day to be like, yeah, like this is the physical evidence or physical proof or the, you know, the trophy, the reward of, uh, of work we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of all the work that we've done. So I'm really excited for that. So with that said, Sapphire, you have a lot of life lessons that you wanted to share. <laughs> so I'm just going to like, I'm just going to list them. And then we'll just go from there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I'll go ahead and list them. And then if you want to share, you know, why you chose these life lessons, and also if there's a story from your life that had led you to these life lessons. So I'll just list them. First one is follow your intuition. Second one is to believe in magic. And the third one is to make vision boards. So I actually have a story slash experience that sort of encompasses all three of those things. So I'll share that. So let's see, when was this? This was back in 13. Okay, let's say 2013. So back in 2013, I was working at FITM downtown. My job in LA. Yeah, (laughs) I went there (laughs) for college. Yeah. When did you go? I was there in 2011. Wow. Or 2010 or 11. I graduated 2012. Oh my God. How fun. Uh, yeah. Maybe we yeah. lost paths. <laughs> Probably a small campus. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So I, I didn't work like on the campus itself. I worked in this like separate office building okay. and what I was doing, I don't, I don't know. It was like kind of creative enough. It was creative enough where I wasn't totally losing my mind, but the job itself, I absolutely hated. And so I had been working there for maybe like a year and I 
had never had, let's see, this was three years after graduating from college. And so I was like, oh, I really want to be working in the animation industry. Like, when am I going to get my big break? Like all those kind of questions that, you know, people have when they're like mm -hmm. frustrated with what they're doing. And then I remember randomly, one of my friends texted me and was like, hey, I know this guy who's also trying to like break into the animation industry. Do you want to meet up with him? And I was like, okay. So I met up with this person and he told me about all of these workshops that are happening around LA and all of these events and like told me about all of these people who were our age that were working at like these big studios and stuff. And I remember thinking, whoa, like for the first time, it made me feel like this was a real possibility because before then I had kind of given up on this. I was like settling into this full-time job that was like pretty stable. And I was like, maybe I'm just like not meant for animation. But then when I met up with this guy, it made me he sort of reignited this passion in me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up for these workshops. I'm going to go to all of these things and I'm going to, I'm going to change my life. <laughs> and so when I went home, I made a vision board for the very first time. I posted a bunch of photos on my wall. So I forget where I learned how to make the vision board. Like, I think somebody told me the way that they did it, but the way that I did it was I posted a bunch of photos of studios that I would like to work at or like pictures of animators' desks. So it was like sort of just creating this image of what I wanted my life to be. Mm -hmm. And I posted like these illustrations that I really liked and artists I liked and stuff like that. And so I would wake up to that like every morning. So I made my vision board and then I set a date on my Google calendar. And I remember the date. It was March 11th or 12th. It was one of those. It was in March. And I <laughs> set a date and I said, you will have a new job by this day. Hmm. So two months pass. And in that two months, I'm still looking for jobs online. And I see a posting for like an animator for like a pilot. And so I apply, I do the test, and then I get it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my first actual job as an animator. And the wow. start date was the day that I put <gasps> in my calendar. Wow. No joke. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I feel like that was the first time that I really, uh, what am I trying to say? Like I, things started I, to click for you. Yeah, that was such a huge like turning point in my mm -hmm. career for me. I stopped getting in this like loop in my head of, oh, animation's not possible for you. Just like settle for your graphic design stuff that you're doing, even though you don't really love it. Now mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this is like a real thing. And every major turning point in my career has happened after I've made a vision board. <laughs> <sighs> wow. No joke. Yeah. So the second time I made a vision board was when I was unemployed for about like two or three months. And I was getting so frustrated because I was just like, I need a job. And then I made my vision board. I hunkered down and started working on creative projects to distract myself. And then I got three jobs <laughs> Wow! Like in the next month. Yeah. So the jobs that I got were doing something scary, teaching at LMU, and then this other job as a production coordinator on a TV show. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I truly believe that it's not so much that the vision board itself is magic. The magic comes from you really focusing on 
your goals and really visualizing what you want your life to be because you start to, you know, whittle down all the unnecessary stuff in your life and you just like kind of pinpoint the thing that you want to do and mm. it happens. And a vision board can help you narrow that down because like, I don't know, have you, either of you made vision boards before? Actually, funny how you mentioned that because I'm part of a group coaching program right now and that's like our final assignment. Like oh, literally yeah. <laughs> literally this week, I'm supposed to put together a vision board. Oh, but nice. I, wa- I-, I wanted to ask you if you, do you make a physical one or a digital one? Because I like, I don't want to like find magazines and like cut shit up. Like I <laughs> no, I'm, it's like... more fun that way. <laughs> it's just, I it felt just like, like that too. I just uh-huh. started getting into vision boarding this year. Like I just made my first vision board, I think in January or December ever. Like, I didn't know. I was like, how do you do it? (laughs) And I think that that, like what you just said right there is the key. Like, that's what most people miss. A vision board is not like some fun, like, art project that you're making out of magazine scrap. It's a visual representation of you changing your narrative and changing Mm -hmm. the stories that you're telling yourself about what it is you want in life and how it is you're going to get it. You know what I mean? That's the point of it. And I think that a lot of people miss that because they are under the impression that it's just like, oh, buy 20 magazines, cut them up and, (laughs) you know, find some cool images to put on because that's how it was. I mean, to be honest, like that's how it was described to me. And so initially it's like, well, that sounds like a waste of my time. Like I'm not in (laughs) kindergarten. You know what I mean? Right. But when you actually start... Right. Like (laughs) when it becomes less about like the images that you're putting up there and more about what you're trying to manifest in your life, Mm -hmm. I think that's when you get really into it and you get really inspired. And then once you make it, you feel really proud because that's something that you look at every day that kind of like keeps you on track or just reminds you when things start to get messy, what your focus should be, you know? Oh, definitely. The process is the most important part because as you're deciding what to put up there, that's you telling yourself what is important to you. Yeah. And Um, what's possible for you too. Just mm -hmm. like you were saying, the stories that you were telling yourself in your head about getting a job in animation all of a sudden became possible when you were for so long telling yourself, like shutting yourself down. Mm Mm-hmm. So how do you um, do it, Sapphire? Do you find, because, you know, I'm I, okay, let me just, I'm just like, like so okay, how do you do it. <laughs> I just, I'm asking because, okay, I've done it before, but I did it digitally because I was like, I don't want to find magazines. I don't get magazines, you know, like, who has like, magazines? I just, exactly. It's like, where do I find It doesn't have to stuff? be a magazine. <laughs> it's like, I don't, but also I don't have a printer, you know, like, I, oh. I don't, like, I recycle shit all the time. You know, I'm just like, yeah. I, like, that's why I like doing a digital one, although I don't know if my visions actually came true from that so I guess that's that's a sign but (laughs) but like I just feel like it's easier to do a google search of images and then put it you know like like put it in a collage yeah in a collage so I don't know I want to get your thoughts on that like how did did you put yours together I have a printer and I also have I have sticker sheets so what I do is I make a little collage in photoshop of all of my images and then I print it out on the sticker sheet and then I cut it out from there and then I stick it onto this canvas that I have. <laughs> That's smart. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just printed out pictures and cut them out and glued them onto a poster board. That was okay. like the, the janky way. <laughs> I mean, it works. Okay. 
It, it definitely you know, did. I'd still have it here. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, that helps because I'm like, I don't know what magazines to find. Like, I, I know, and I know I keep referring to the magazines. I know, like, it's, just, it's just my perception. And like, for every every time there was like a vision board like meetup, like that's what that's what would be there. Magazines. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's like I don't want to go through these magazines. Like, magazines are meant to like make you feel bad about yourself. I don't know, like the advertising yeah. on there. So it's like, why would I want to put myself through that? So anyway, I appreciate. Appreciate both of your insights on how to put together a vision board. That helps. <laughs> yes, you'll have to let us know when you make yours and, yeah. and show it to us. Yeah, I do have an excuse though as to why I can't do a physical version because I can't leave the house. To print <laughs> really fighting it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, I guess. Like excuse. <laughs> yeah. You know, just coronavirus. That's my excuse for everything for the next three, four weeks. <laughs> so awesome. Well, Sapphire. Oh my gosh, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for taking time to share your story and your insight and your lessons. And I'm just really excited to continue a friendship with you. I feel like we could be really oh, good friends. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I do too. At the Sapphire. At the Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for people that are interested in learning more about you and the incredible work that you do and your, and your podcast show, how can they find you online? You can find me at my website for the podcast is storieswithsapphire.com. On Stories with Sapphire, I share a multicultural perspective on the supernatural through stories, interviews, and original poems. So if you have a personal supernatural or paranormal experience that you'd like to share on the show, whether you write it up and I narrate it for you, or if you want to be interviewed, send me an email at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. And I have a website with all of my other work if you're interested. It's just my name, sapphiresendalo.com. And then I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Awkward Sapphire. I hate that username, but I can't change it right now. <laughs> and then I'm also on YouTube and Twitch. It's just my full name, Sapphire Sandalo. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And of course, if you are a, what do you call it? What do you call those listeners that keep coming back? <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. If you are a returning listener, uh, you but if you're a regular, oh yes, thank you. See, exactly. That's why I have you, Nani. That's why I have you. Yes, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, if you are a regular listener, you would know by now that if you need that information, that'll be provided in the show notes, which is currently in the details of the podcast episode, and soon will be on our website, which will be available in season two of the Filipino American Woman Project. So look out for that. Very exciting times. With that said, I want to thank you, Nani, for co-hosting with me as always. You're welcome as always. Yes. And Sapphire, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. With that said, we want to thank you all so much for listening. And we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.